0: Welcome to M Podcast, episode number 60. This is your host, Suman Silwal. I
1: never went out looking for the World Marathon majors. It just kind of happened that way.
0: Visit mruns.com to listen to our previous podcast shows, links to our social media channels, as well as get discount codes for 7 versions Marathon and all South Eastern Trail Series events. I'd like to welcome David Kahn to M Podcast. David, how are you doing today? Doing Great. They're really good. I'm at David's house today, um, uh, talking to him. David is uh, uh, Alabama's first uh, the the world's marathon majors uh, finisher, as as well as when he when you finished, I think you mentioned that you're 50th in the United States. So tell us about what
1: is what is a marathon majors is. Well, you have to run six marathons. That's it. And uh, but the thing about it is, you have to run it in uh, the six biggest marathons in the world. All over the world, and it's the six hardest marathons to get in. It is the Chicago Marathon, the New York City Marathon, the Boston Marathon, the London Marathon, the Berlin Marathon, and the Tokyo Marathon.
0: Definitely, that sounds a lot of a lot of marathon. Do you have to do that in a one in a one one given year, or or is it a throughout the?
1: No, actually, I started it in uh, 2009 when I ran the Chicago Marathon and the world marathon majors was set up as a uh, program for the elite marathoners where they uh, competed for prize money when they ran the uh, all the marathons uh, they combined the big marathons together and the top finishers got prize points, and in a uh, two-year cycle, whoever had the most points received a half million dollars. So, if you won one of those marathons, you received, I don't know, like uh, 10 points or 20 points, and and then you the second-place finisher got uh, maybe 15 points, third-place got 10, and all that. And then, uh, in the Olympic years, they would throw the Olympics in, and also the years they had the world uh, championship uh, for the marathon, that got included. So... And then they only uh, they would only allow the elite marathoners to qualify for two marathons. You can only run two a year. Otherwise, you'd have some guys that would go out there and run three a year and really burn themselves out. So the big marathons they start off with uh, just uh, New York, Boston, Chicago, London, and Berlin. And then two years two years later, or yeah, I think in 2014, uh, they added Tokyo which made it the six marathons.
0: Definitely. Uh, before we talk about marathon, and the world marathon majors and, and your, your kind of journey through it, tell us about how did you start running? I mean, I, <laughs> I have seen you for, for years, and we know each other, but I never got to ask you, so <laughs> how did you start yeah. running? Well, what, is your, what is your story behind
1: that one? Well, the interesting thing was that uh, running for me growing up was what you were punished for as a kid. You know, if you played baseball or football or whatever and, you know, you were goofing around, the coach would sit there and yell at you and tell you to go run to the uh, backstop on the other side of the field or to the telephone pole on the other side of the field. So running was the punishment. I hated running. I'm a bigger guy and <laughs> always have been. So running was definitely not something that uh, I enjoyed or was it something I did growing up in middle school or high school and definitely not college. So uh, what happened was I had a... A very good friend of mine who was a pretty big guy and one day he uh, 11 years ago he passed away mm. and uh, he passed away from a heart attack and he was he was grossly obese and I realized I needed to get in shape and I uh, told my wife that I was going to lose 50 pounds and I was going to start eating healthier and I got on the treadmill the next morning I went uh, five minutes on the treadmill I about died myself. <laughs> and i wasn't going very fast i think we were i was going maybe 2.5 on the treadmill i don't even think i got it over 3.0 and then i got it going the next day up to maybe 10 minutes and 15 minutes and all that before long i got it to where i was going over an hour and i got the treadmill up to over 4.0 for those of you that know treadmills so from there i did that for over a year i lost uh Oh, close to maybe 80 pounds. And I was in pretty good shape. And then a uh, friend of mine was running a 5K, the Hueytown 5K out in Hueytown, Alabama. And I asked her how far the 5K was. And she goes three miles, 3.1 miles. And I said, I really think I could do that because I was doing over four miles on a treadmill. So I went and bought a pair of running shoes. And I went to the local high school and ran 12 laps around the track. And I said, okay, well, after three days of that, I think I've got the three miles down. And uh, I took off. I I did that uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Took off Friday. Saturday was the race. And I did it in about 30 minutes. That was my 5K. I'm like, okay and that was really the first time I ever ran on the road, was at the Hueytown 5K. I was done, went after the race. I went by a Starbucks, and there were a bunch of people I knew that were at Starbucks, and they were running, and they saw that I had my bib on, and they said, oh, my gosh, you ran the Hueytown 5K. <laughs> and next thing I know that they had told me to, oh, why don't you come run with us? We're running with Danny Harrelson at Run University. I, did, I had no idea what they were talking about, and Coach Danny had coached a lot of people to the— uh, couch to 5k program here in Birmingham and from there I'm like okay so I went uh, maybe Tuesday or Wednesday that week and went to his uh, uh, evening run and realized that I was more in the front of that pack than I was in the back and next thing I knew they were running the Coleman 5k for breast cancer and I did that race and I was pretty good at that and uh, then I I thought I was done running road races But after that, uh, they started talking about the Vulcan 10K race. And I figured, well, that's got to be, what, 6.2 miles. Uh And so next thing I knew, that group was training for the uh, Vulcan 10K. And so I did that. And then the next thing I knew after we have completed that was we were training for the uh, Mercedes half marathon. And uh, so I I ran that and finished in, I want to say, two hours and 21 minutes. And I uh, thought that, okay, well, I I've did a half marathon. I've achieved the goal. Now we're done. But then I saw where the Chicago Marathon was just opening up their entries. And I decided, well, I'm halfway there. Why don't I sign up for a marathon? I want to do one marathon, see if I could do it. I signed up for the Chicago Marathon, and uh, that was in October. At the same time, I was launching a major business for me uh, called Yogurt Mountain. And uh, I would not advise that to anybody to run their first marathon and to open up a new business at the same time. Something I would not advise. But I went out and uh, I trained. All summer long for the Chicago Marathon in the heat of Alabama while I was opening up my business. And uh, and probably three weeks, four weeks before the Chicago Marathon, I developed an IT band problem. Mm. It was doubtful whether I would even make it. And then it was hard for me to get my long 20-mile runs in because my business uh, was keeping me there very late at night. And the next morning, I just wasn't able to get up and get out there and get the 20-milers in. I remember one day, uh, I was like, okay, I've got to get a 20-miler in. And I just went up and down Lakeshore four times wow. just to get my 20-miler <laughs> in. Uh, like a Tuesday morning, that was I, I put some water and Gatorade out at the ends and in the middle. And that was what I did to get my 20-miler in. Come October eleventh, two 2009, I completed the Chicago Marathon, crossed the finish line. In uh, six hours, 21 minutes, and 49 seconds. I'm like, okay, done. No this more marathons. I need no more. This you is no more. for you. That you know? was it. You know, it was a long time to be out there for six hours or over six hours. And uh, my IT band was giving me problems that day, as it had been for the last month. Uh, In fact, I had to stop towards mile 20, and my sister had to stretch me out and and work the IT band out. Uh, You know, I was at a situation, I was reading something about the New York Marathon, and along the way, I'd become friends with Meb Kifleski. And Meb was wanting me to run the New York Marathon on his Meb Foundation team. But I knew another guy who had run it on Fred's team. And Fred's team is named after uh, the founder of the New York Marathon, Fred LeBeau. And Fred was the um, he had struggled through uh, cancer at the Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer uh, Institute up in New York. And one of his visions was that he would have a charity for that, which then became the number one out of all the, I don't know, 50 different charity groups, maybe 100 different charity groups. It was the number one charity group uh, for the New York Marathon. And so I had signed up for that. And then maybe a week later, Meb had called me up, asked me if I would join his team. And I said, Meb, I normally would, but I was already committed to Fred's team. You already committed to one team. Yeah. And that was for 2011. And Meb told me, he said, you know, if it was any other charity, I would try to talk you out of it. But since it was for Fred's team, absolutely. I support you 110%. And, uh, you know, says so we will still be in New York together but that, uh, we'll just be racing against each other on different teams. And so, and so uh, I think Meb probably got fifth place that, that year in 2011, and Jeffrey Mutai won it. But uh, it was uh, quite an experience in there, and, and that was my second marathon. But I had, uh, when I finished, I had bone spurs in my toe, ah. and uh, really struggled towards the end to finish and uh, I finished in uh, 6, 17, 28 or 29. And I realized that that's probably really it for me. So no more marathon for you at Yeah, no time. more, no more. But then Meb then called me up and said, hey, you want to run Boston on my Meb Foundation team? And I'm like, <laughs> well, you know, we were talking about the Boston Marathon and there's so much tradition and history there. It's the, if you want to say the Athens Marathon is the original marathon, Boston is the oldest marathon. And uh, I was like, well, I'm not going to tell Meb no. So I, I went ahead and committed to Meb that I would run on his foundation team. And I went out there, and uh, I was in Boston earlier with Meb uh, in February of 2012. And we were passing. We saw the SIDGO sign, and Meb tells me, he says, when you see the SIDGO sign— you're two miles from the finish. You're about a mile away from the sit-go sign. I said, okay, that's good to know. And he said, and Meb had already qualified for the Olympics, for the 2012 London Olympic Games, winning by winning the Olympic Trials. So he wasn't going to run it. And he uh, was going to be the Grand Marshal. And he told me, he said that, uh, you know, maybe I'll come out and run you in. If I can. I said, really? He goes, yeah, absolutely. So we get to April 16th of 2012, and it was 88 degrees that day and leading up to it. And I'm like, there's no way I'm going to be able to run a marathon in 88 degrees. I'm still a pretty good-sized guy. So 88 degrees look pretty hot for Boston, correct? Uh (laughs) It's very hot. And so a few days beforehand, I was at a charity dinner put on by Susan Hurley. And Susan Hurley handles a lot of the charities for the Boston Marathon, and... So Dave McGilvery, who's the race director, Mm -hmm. was there and he comes up and meets with me and he asked me, he goes, well, uh, how many times have you been in Boston? I told him, oh, this is my first. And he goes, well, take it easy. Don't try to, you know, set a PR. It's going to be very hot. And I told him, I said, well, my problem is you have a six hour time limit and you're shutting down your finish line. Uh And I'm trained. Probably to get there in five hours and 45 minutes. I said, unless you keep uh, your your finish line open for seven hours, I'm probably not going to finish your race. And he goes, hmm, I hadn't thought about that. And he said, it's going to be hard for me to rearrange the volunteers because it's not just the finish line. Now I've got to back up the race all the way. Uh-huh. Uh, now, not all the way up to Hopkinton, but, you know, maybe up to Newton. And so it's not just as easy as just keeping the race open. There's a lot of this police. I've got permits. Then he asked me, well, what about if you defer to next year to 2013? And I said, hmm, well, I'm running London next year. Because along the way, Boston was my halfway point to the world major marathons. And somewhere along the line, I had made a decision that, you know, I'm halfway there. I might as well run three more marathons. So that, that was my
0: question is how did you make a decision to go... But anyway, let's talk about the story.
1: So I said, I'll, I'll keep an open mind. So that was on a Friday night before the Boston Marathon on Monday. Saturday around noontime, the Boston Marathon made a decision that they were going to keep the finish line open till gotcha. at least seven hours. And that they were also going to offer a deferment, preferably for charity runners and runners that did not qualify while I did not qualify and I was a charity runner. Gotcha. So uh, he was highly recommending me, me to, me, to, to do, me that. Do, do that. But I also made the decision after talking with my wife that, you know, I've trained in Alabama. I'm used to somewhat of the heat. This heat is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and,
0: and,
1: and so if I don't do it then, I'm not sure when I'll be able to do it. After going back and forth, back and forth as you do, I've made the decision, okay, I'm going for it. And that was probably by two o'clock Saturday. I, it was probably a two-hour window where I didn't know if I was going to run or not. Gotcha. So I went ahead and made that decision that, yes, we're going to go. And earlier in the week, Meb, I spoke to Meb. Uh, he called me on Tuesday, and I told him I was concerned about the heat. And he told me to start drinking a lot of electrolytes, stop drinking water, because you're going to wash out, you're going to flush out the electrolytes. And so I went exclusively with uh, drinking uh, elect- electrolyte drinks to try to build that up in my body. Come the uh, race day... Uh, Meb called me while I was on the charity bus going out to Hopkinton, and he told me just be very careful and uh, slow down, take, take my time, don't, don't PR today. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. And uh, he, he said that, uh, you know, he'll, he'll be there at the finish line for me. Gotcha. So, you know, when I put a lot of sunscreen on my face and all that, but when I started the race, I was in the third wave and there was, um, it was really hot. Very, very hot. And there's no shade out there. And as I started running, the sun, I started sweating and the sunscreen went in my eyes and it blinded me. I couldn't see. Wow. It was burning. And so for the first two miles, I was wiping it out of my eyes. And I'm like, this is, this is just brutal. So after I got to Wellesley, I went through the scream tunnel. I decided, you know, I'm not having fun. This is awful. I'm quitting. I'm just done. And so in Newton, as I was coming into Newton, there's a fire station on the right. And you go down a little hill. I was going to drop out at the fire station. But as I was coming down the hill and I'd get into Newton, right across from the fire station were a bunch of charity tents set up for the Boston Marathon.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Fred's team had a tent set up. Gotcha. I could see this orange tent. And in there was a gal named Aubrey Barr, who was the number one fundraiser for Fred's team. And she would helped me get a very close friend of mine, Rusty Radwin, into uh, an appointment with Memorial Sloan Kettering. And so I go over to Aubrey... She gives me an ice cold bottle of water, an ice cold towel, put some ice in my hat, gives me a hug. We take a picture and she tells me, you look great. Oh, you're going to do great today. This is your race. You got it. Oh, you, you're, you're, uh, you know, just up, up a little bit of a hill and it's all downhill after that. You got this, David. Go. And I took off running. I'm halfway up the hill, half a mile up into the hills of Newton and I realized wait a minute I was going to drop out <laughs> you forgot <laughs> I forgot I forgot to quit <laughs> <laughs> and then and then my phone rang and it was Murawie Kafleski, Mev's brother, and he said, how, "How's it? asked me how I, how I was doing?" I said, "Awful. It was horrible, and that uh, I was going to quit back there." And he uh, said that uh, he goes, "Well, Jeffrey Mutai had dropped out, and Jeffrey had mm-hmm. won the New York City Marathon in in eleven, and he won Boston uh, in eleven. He he won both races back to back." And he was the most feared uh, marathoner back in those days. And I'm like thinking, and, and how is telling me, it, it's no shame if you drop out. Uh, and and all that. it's okay. Even Jeffrey Mutai dropped out about mile 16 or 17. And if if you drop out, it's okay. And I'm like, wait a minute. I have a chance to beat Jeffrey Mutai? Uh, <laughs> and, and he stops and he goes, uh, yeah, I guess so. So I had a newfound uh, pep in my step. I'm like, okay, we can do this. And all on the route, the people, uh, the Bostonians were out there with ice and popsicles. And they had taken hoses from their houses to the street as we were running by. And, you know, they were the ones that kept us going gotcha. that day. Uh, and, and so when I got to mile 25, there was Meb Kofleski waiting on me with one mile to go at the Sitco sign. And he ran me in to uh, the finish line that day. So what, what time did you finish that? Uh, that was a brutal day of, uh, I want to say, 6.42.02. Excellent. I mean, still finished.
0: <laughs> that's that's the one of the thing I was thinking as you are telling me about 2012. If you would have deferred to 2013,
1: you know what happened to it. There's a bomb that went off and then I would have, I would not have finished in 13 because I would have been back. Uh, you know, know. our good friend Randy Lyle was a mile to the finish. And so if you'd gone off there, I probably would have been a good, uh, maybe nine miles to the finish Mm, from there. Uh, so there's no way I would have finished in 13. And so my, the whole world major marathon would have derailed. All on Boston, all hinged on Boston. Because if Dave McGilberry hadn't uh, changed the finish line from six o'clock from six hours to seven, seven hours. hours, if the people of Boston weren't out there helping me, gotcha. if if I you know if I dropped out, you yeah. know if if a lot of things had happened, the universe had to line up for you right
0: to, to do that. I mean that's a that's a great story because a lot of time we don't think about, especially especially the cases like that, you know. And you're this has become one of the biggest. Point for you, then then you can continue on your war major. So that's a pretty nice story. So
1: yeah, which which then kind of leads us to the following year, right? To uh, the bomb in two thousand thirteen, which was London. So the you know the bomb goes off. Boston is run on Monday, and London was run on Sunday. I was leaving, I want to say Tuesday or Wednesday to go over to London, mm. and. So nobody knows what's going on uh, in the world. All they know is that, okay, the Boston Marathon got blown up. What is next? Who's behind this? And I'm hearing from my father, don't go. I'm hearing from other uh, friends that uh, uh, Bert Bloomston, who's run uh, marathons all over the world, he calls me up. And, you know, he's run his last marathon a, a decade ago. And, you know, Bert told me, he says, David, don't go. Go another time. Uh, you know, you don't know what's going on in this world. And, uh, you know, so I've got him, my dad, and I've got my wife who sits there and tells me, you know, uh, what are the odds of something happening to you? Because you're going to be so far in the back that even if something goes on, are they really going to do anything to the people in the back of the marathon. And so I'm like, well, okay, you got a good point there. But, uh, I went ahead and everything I had was non-refundable. My tickets, my plane tickets, my hotel, my entry form, everything. You're going. I'm so going. And so matter. I, I, I did all the training for it. So, you know, I, I get to London and Meb calls me up and he tells me, he says, David, don't stay at any one place too long. Keep moving around. <laughs> and I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, just get to the expo, get your bib, get out of there. Don't stick around that there. It says, you know, at the start, don't get to the start too early. You know, again, just get there and then go run the race. Don't stick around. And I'm like, okay. So so, so
0: what's the Boston effect a week after in London?
1: Everybody, you know, were, and there were people that ran Boston that were running London. Mm. So, you know, there's some people out there doing that. And, and London... I was with Marathon Tours, the group out of Boston that uh, had secured the bib, had secured my room, and secured transportation to the start. And so, you know, as we got over there, again, we didn't know what had gone on, what was going on. And then... You hear about the brothers. Then you hear about the incident at uh, the university. Then you hear about they they got one of the brothers in the shootout. And then you had the situation with the boat. And I was watching that live on CNN in the middle of the night, you know, over in London. And so I'm a little more relieved that, okay if this is what the situation is, then it must be over. That was a huge relief. But you still didn't know if that was a terrorist cell and there might be more out there. But I wasn't going to let them get in the way of me achieving the goal that I had set out to achieve. At the 40,000 other people that were running... The, the London Marathon, we were going to go out there and we were going to run this race and we we're going to finish the race. So how did that go? The race was great. I set a personal record of 544.37. Wow. So that was, a, that was a great race. And, you know, you go out there and you couldn't help but think about the people of Boston. I had a black ribbon on that they gave me in uh, at the expo. I wore that on my shirt that I wore and it still hangs on my ribbon. Uh, you know, so you think about the people, the people of um, Boston from that, and that. Uh,
0: not only that, uh, usually I usually tell people um, the Boston effect. Uh, basically, not only that race and people, it changed a lot in our field. Yeah, I mean, you know, think about it, running used to be so different before pre 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 Boston. You know, we talk about pre nine eleven. We talk yep. now pre Boston. Our races used to be just you know different. I I, I ran uh, Nashville Rock and Roll Nashville, um, and it was. There was Todd Security, and I knew that throughout the throughout the country, even here, it was Todd Security. Like you said, that we didn't know. So you you finish in London. So. Well,
1: but but here's the interesting story: is that so I tell Meb and Murhowie that Jeffrey Mutai is running the race <laughs> and running London and Wilson Kipsing. So Murhowie talks to their agent and sets up a quick meeting over at their hotel with me. And so I go over and meet with them. And so I told Jeffrey that, uh, Look, you beat me in New York. I beat you in Boston. (laughs) And and he's like looking at me. And uh I said, now tomorrow we're just gonna determine who's the best runner between (laughs) us. And Wilson Kipsing, who has won all these races, holds the record, held the record for Berlin before it got beat last last year. Uh who won New York last year, who is you know one of the most dominant forces out there, both of them. Wilson is laughing at Jeffrey. About this guy who's beating him (laughs) out there. And Jeffrey's like going along with it. And just he's having a good time. And we take some pictures and and all that. So uh, we wish each other well. And, you know, we should have put a little wager on it. Because Jeffrey drops out with an ankle issue. Again. And I beat him in London. (laughs) Yeah. And, And it was also somewhat interesting. Because that's the first time that I've ever finished a race, a marathon like that. And I still had the back of the Packers coming in way behind me. Wow. And I'm still trying to cross back over the marathon to get to my hotel, which was not far from the finish line. And uh, But I, when I looked at my watch and I saw I was at 544, I wanted to be under 545. And I come past Buckingham Palace and I kicked in a sprint going down a couple hundred yards. And now I'm sitting there thinking about all the uh, extra what uh you know the point two or the 265 yards whatever it is that we have to run that extra sure. it's all because of the queen back in the day or the king sure, sure. and i'm thinking okay now this is why i'm having to run this <laughs> as i'm looking at buckingham palace and and running that extra two gotcha. hundred yards to get to the uh the the finish line uh, it was also in kilometers which was different for me Got you. You know, because I'm used to miles, right? We're all used to miles. Sure. Uh, But it was a little bit different running a uh, an international race. Uh, There was no national anthem. It was you know what God Uh, save God save the Queen or whatever they played, (laughs) and you know, so that was all. It was all different for me. So so that was your first international. Absolutely. And and then you ran. What is the next? You ran Berlin. Berlin. So I've spread these all out one year at a time uh, to do. And so um, with Berlin, it was uh, September of 2014. Berlin is just a phenomenal city. It's really two cities. You have an old city and a new city. And it's where the wall was. You're sitting there where they tore the wall down and they've got um, an outline in bricks on the ground where they're the still, wall was they still have a remnants of them yeah you see it all over the city oh really yeah and even like you could be in a restaurant and then wherever it, wherever the wall was would go right through the restaurant corner of the restaurant and you could look at the floor and see where the tile they would mix the tile up to show you where the wall was and it's really kind of cool and so as you're running you'll see you'll see where the wall was and, and and all that but the new part of Berlin is all new it's like a new city with new asphalt New shiny buildings and all old Still like that. Still like that. The old part is like going back to the 1930s, 20s or whatever. These old buildings and old Russian type of looking stuff. And so when you're running in these new buildings, running by these new buildings, it was so hot that day that the sun was beating off all these new shiny buildings with all this glass. And it was really heating it up. And uh, uh, it, it, it got hot. My leg cramped up on me a little bit. But again, I ran it in uh, 547 and some change that day. But it was just, a, what a unbelievable experience running yeah. running through Berlin and the history, you know, yeah. that, that, that city brings to uh, the world, you know. Uh, Definitely. Yeah, I wanted
0: to apply for Berlin this year, but I didn't get to... All uh, of my international
1: tours. travels went through marathon tours okay. just because I didn't want to deal with... Uh, Securing a hotel, I don't want to have to deal with securing a bib, whatever. Marathon Tours took great care of me, and uh, it's a little bit more expensive, I think, but it's a lot less headache. Yeah. They, they run a first-class deal. And, and like Berlin, they had a, a race, uh, a friendship race the day before, and that was, uh, and you finished in the uh, Berlin Coliseum, mm-hmm. where the uh, 1936 Olympics were, and gotcha. uh, uh, yeah. I did not do that um, that day. Uh, gotcha. I, I I kept my warm up on the course because my hotel was pretty much on the course, and gotcha. uh, but most people will will do that uh, friendship friendship run
0: friend. on your on your this world. World Marathon Majors Journey. Your last visit is uh, my my continent that where we grew up. I grew up in Asia, so you went to Japan. I remember talking to you before because I, yeah. I actually ran that race two thousand eleven before it was a uh, part of the part of the major. So, tell tell me about what you experienced in in, well, in part in, of my
1: training. Uh, so I finished Berlin Sept- at the end of September, and I took a few weeks off. And then I started back, and then I my ankle was hurting, so I had to stop. And then I had to get physical therapy on my ankle, and then I had to, I start back again in um, month of December was tough for me. And then I started questioning whether I would actually make it to Tokyo. Hmm. Then I got back in January. You know the Tokyo Marathon is February twenty second, and I'm running in January first week of January. I'm running on a five or six mile uh, run. It's about 20 some degrees outside. And I step in a pothole, in a manhole cover and my toe catches about uh, two inches deep. I don't come out of it. Ah. And I trip and I'm, and I fall down. I put my arm out to catch me and I jam my shoulder up. A car had just pulled out of Starbucks and Mountain Brook was coming up the hill and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm going to get run over. I'm, wow. I'm gonna, it's, it was coming right at me. I'm wearing black, black, black. And I didn't think they, would, they just actually saw me. I'm trying to get up. My shoulder hurts so bad I can't push myself up. I'm fighting to get up. And I finally get up as the car stops right beside me. And then I get up and I walk the last probably quarter mile to where my car is. And I'm thinking, I'm done. There's no way I'm going to make it to Tokyo.
0: (laughs) You felt like that was a sign for you to not to go farther.
1: Well, I was done with my run. Yeah. And uh, so I go and get an x-ray. And I said, well, the x-ray shows nothing. Then I got an MRI. And the MRI really was somewhat inconclusive. Then they did a scan. Well, the scan showed that nothing was torn. But I could not even lift my arm to turn on a light. So from there, I... um, the doctor shot a cortisone shot into my shoulder to relieve the uh, pain, uh-huh. and and all that because it had swollen up pretty good. And then they sent me off to physical therapy for a few days just to get my range of motion back. And after a week, I was I was good. And so I lost a week of training, and I got back at it by mid-January. And I had five weeks to get ready for Tokyo. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, now we're back on there. I didn't realize how far Tokyo really is. It was like, uh, I don't know, what, 15-hour time difference, and the flight itself was maybe 15, 17 hours from Atlanta. It's forever, so. Yeah.
0: I know. (laughs) know. Welcome to our part of the world. (laughs) And
1: then you get to, I want to say I flew into maybe Nairobi. Narita. Narita Airport. And then it's like another hour to get to downtown Tokyo. Uh And, uh, you know, so by that time, I mean, your body, it takes so long to adjust. When you're flying over to Europe, it wasn't so bad. But all the way over to Tokyo, it's like, you know, the 15 hours ahead just really kind of messes with you. You know, so it takes you a while to kind of get back on the schedule. I wanted to stay up that that first night as late as I could and then try to go to bed at, at, on... and, you know, like nine or 10 o'clock their time, even though I've been up forever. And then I, uh, got up next morning and did some shakeout runs. Same with the next day. And then from there, uh, I, I left, I think I want to say Tuesday or Wednesday, got there the next day on Thursday, whatever it was, otherwise yeah. as like, it takes yeah, you lose yeah, a
0: day, yeah, you lose a day <laughs> and it just, yeah, it messes you up a
1: lot. So. Yeah. And so then, then I went to the expo early and the expo there was, you know, everybody, every expo is different. When I went to Berlin, it was in the old Berlin airport, which was like uh, going to something that a um, Nazi uh, airport that was built by the Nazis or something. And uh, that was kind of interesting, I'll you know, say. So <laughs> but the expo was, was at the airport. And so Tokyo, it's the sticks
0: was totally different. The the music and the it was thing like going was, to
1: a Nintendo conference. It's
0: circles like ee, ee, just like and everybody yeah. was talking different. Like I was like yeah. And the
1: girls are dressed in little uh, Nintendo or Sega or Xbox outfits, and you know <laughs> it, it it was not like going to a runners uh, expo. It was like going to a video convention. Yeah. Yeah, and, then, and, and, and and you know, so and and then on top of that, the sizes for the the apparel was for Japanese, not for Americans, and and,
0: and, and they would not let you change exchange it too. No, <laughs> you you're all. stuck with it. I I, I mean, I'm from Asia, and then I got <laughs> stuck with the I, I I was wearing medium, and that medium was small medium for me. So
1: right, you can always go uh, three or four sizes different. Yeah, yeah. so so get out there. But I will say this, the people in Tokyo were the friendliest of any of the races I ever did. They, uh, I did the friendship run. I met some friends of mine from Chicago. I made friends that were on the trip with marathon tours. And we all buddied up together and we went to the friendship run the day before. And you know, I had, we had to learn how to use the subway system. And that was a whole adventure of its own. And, you know, did the, did the run, came back in. And uh, got ready for the race the next day. Uh, the interesting things that I learned was that that, that race was a point to point. You start downtown, and they take you out to uh, their exhibition center. Yeah, somewhere out there, which is way tw- twenty six or forty two kilometers on the other side of the city, almost to the airport and uh and you know but marathon tours had a bus system that would drink you back to the airport yeah and they did not have porta potties in the corrals once you got in the corral oh they didn't I don't there, no, yeah, there was no yeah there's no porta potty in there and so I'm like okay this is gonna be great and then there everything was so respectful to the runners that you didn't dare throw anything on the ground but they had a uh, someone like every I want to say every 10 feet standing there with a Garbage bag that you would toss your cup into. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. that You throw your gel in there. You throw your cup in there. You didn't. You didn't bother to throw anything on the ground because that would be disrespectful to the other runners. Uh, And then they didn't put a lot of porta potties out there because that would be disrespectful to the runners. So all the porta potties were like somewhat off the course a little bit, hidden. I remember one bathroom stop I went to was in a government building, so you had to run off the course and then into the building then down a hall and then I had a wait <laughs> and so I'm just killing time yeah. just killing time but I will say that the people were so friendly did you did you ever try uh,
0: the food they had on, on the course because I didn't no uh, next time if I ever run Tokyo which I'm, I'm a friend of mine I'm from high school buddy he lives there so for me it's like your, your marathon tour was my friend I didn't have to worry about anything mm-hmm. that was one of the, my best easiest race I have ever done I get off the airplane and, and that's it Right. Till I got an airplane, he would just take care of everything from, from end to end. But um but did you, you did you try any any food? And I, mean, I I would like to try food on the course because they were just handed out stuff. They were like a looking great looking food, but with well, my Chicago experience the
1: same year I had. You, you gotta understand, my first meal in Tokyo, I went to Denny's. <laughs> <laughs> which was a block from the hotel. Yeah. Uh, the second meal, the second night, I went to a pizza place another block away from the hotel. Neb has trained me, don't get too crazy on your food when you're running a marathon. Yeah, yeah. It says so... Uh yeah. I was pretty leery about what they were handing out yeah uh I wasn't about to grab an octopus or a squid or anything i don't yeah. know what was what, yeah, out well, there
0: yeah when i was when I was traveling, there was the same year I had a problem that was first Chicago i was I ran in Chicago and I had a really bad experience. I had a deep dish pizza before the race, so <laughs> so that's when I said really I have cut off and I'm very careful still with the food, so yeah. when I went to Tokyo, my friends like well, let's go to Sushi you're in Tokyo I said I said, I you mean, know, we are all high school buddies, and everybody wants to go go to wanted to go to sushi. I said, no, not before the marathon. Right after marathon, I'll do everything.
1: You don't know how you're going to react to the fish or whatever is in there. <laughs> yeah, well,
0: yeah. I actually got sick when I when I came back. I right, had to, I had to get get got and I had to take some medicine. But but you you ran Tokyo,
1: so Tokyo was a great well, experience. It, Tokyo was, and then you know I was fighting to get in under six hours because the bathroom lines were so long mm-hmm. and. You know, I didn't have proper training we coming right back from Berlin and my injury and all that, but it was a great experience. The people were so nice, uh, so friendly, and you know, it's a long way to go. Your body takes a while to, to get acclimated, everything was in kilometers, so it starts messing with your head when you start saying 30 some kilometers, 33 kilometers, 35 kilometers, 38 kilometers, 40 kilometers. And you're trying to in your head start uh, going back the other way, even though on your watch you've got it set in 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 miles, in miles right? and so you're looking at your miles, you're looking at that, and it just starts messing with you, and uh, you know so you finish and but the great thing about Tokyo was that you 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 get in there, you give your medal, you end up in an exhibition hall, and they had a male side and a female side, and you're able to change into some fresh clothing because you still have a 20, 20 some mile bus ride yeah. back to your hotel. Back, back to, but I'm sitting there, uh,
0: and, have and, the water. I, and, and
1: I'm, 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 yeah, I actually had some muscle milk I'd packed in my, in my bag. And, uh, I changed and I'm just lo- sitting there on the floor of the, uh, exhibition hall and my phone rings and it was Meb wow. calling me to congratulate me. So, uh, and I had no idea what time it was back in the States because it was like probably middle of the afternoon or probably earlier afternoon. And so with the 15 hour time difference, even though yeah, it was is. probably only 13 hours from Meb because he was West Coast. Gotcha. And it was very, very nice that he uh, uh, was calling. To congr- I think it was at nighttime for him for some reason. I want to say it very late at night for him. Uh, but it was very, uh, you know, it was very nice hearing from him and congratulating him, because it was a feat that I did that he hasn't done. He said, yeah, I, said, yeah I, I definitely had never, I hadn't run all six. I think he said that he ran uh, uh, Chicago, New York, you know, he won New York, he won Boston, Boston uh, and he had run London, but he dropped out in London, but he'd run London Olympics and all that. So, uh, you know, he had not completed, he had run Tokyo in, in something else, but not the Tokyo Marathon. Gotcha. Yeah, so it was kind of interesting. He was like saying, "Yeah, you, you accomplished something that I didn't." And the other thing that was pretty funny was that Jeffrey Mutai was supposed to run the Tokyo Marathon and he dropped out. So and you then,
0: still you still beat him in all, all this racing now.
1: Yeah, still beating. Him. Yeah, so I'm up like three to one against Jeffrey Mutai <laughs> uh, because <laughs> yeah. I'm taking I'm taking the Tokyo. He dropped out before he even started the race. He didn't gotcha. go uh, a couple of weeks beforehand. He had a uh, oh, okay. he had Achilles issue or something. Yeah, you know, but uh, uh, that's what, that's what made it kind of fun. And then afterwards, I got the uh, world major world marathon major certificate uh, from the uh, Abbott he- from the headquarters there, uh, certifying that I had made made it in there. And then they also sent me uh, the official medal. Uh, yeah, this is. Can I touch it? You can pick it up. Absolutely. It? Yeah,
0: uh, I've seen I've seen this uh, this medal uh, at exhibit. I think it was Chicago. They 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 had it out up there and and i'm holding it guys uh, beautiful medal and it has a boston tokyo new york chicago berlin and london it's the toughest medal to get yeah it is it is one of the toughest medal, medal to get a lot of people are, right now is trying to trying to get to it uh, even here in birmingham i think alex uh alex got, uh, he's got a couple more to go i think he has a couple more i have two more to go i think alex morrow uh, if you guys don't know alex morrow he's a He's, he's a big part of Birmingham, but running community. But he he, he just
1: did Tokyo this year. So yeah, so he's so, got Berlin. He's got Chicago. He's got my, uh, Boston. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he's got New York, and he I'm, doesn't have London.
0: I I have also two, but the only thing is, my question probably in the future I will have to ask is um. Yes, I did a uh, Tokyo before it was it was amazing. So. You have to go
1: back and do it again. It, okay. it doesn't count until uh, it has to be part of the that's, deal. They won't let you go back. <laughs> it's not okay. my rules; their rules. <laughs> it's okay. I'll go back. My friend will <laughs> my, my friend will love it uh, to hear. See, I it. need some company in this. I mean, I, it's been lonely. I've been the, uh, you know, the only guy in Alabama that's accomplished this <laughs> goal, and you know, I was the fiftieth person in the United States. Yeah,
0: uh, you. you I'll, I'll, I wanted to get to London. At london before but it's not happening so so hopefully i'm still trying lottery i'll try a couple of years and then i'll probably have to do the charity bib or the go to the marathon and marathon tour like you have done so.
1: charity i, I want to say 70 or 80 percent of the people that run london run charity yeah uh it, it is probably the biggest marathon out there uh for charity everybody runs for charity even i ran the uh i, I wore my med Uh, foundation shirt because I didn't want to look like I wasn't running for charity I didn't want somebody to come up oh you're not running for charity what's wrong with you oh you're an American oh you don't believe in charity are you not running for charity
0: I I, I wanted to get in uh, my, my, my angle is I wanted to get in as a pacer so I have some some connection out there hopefully it will work out I'll have to start writing more emails soon but yeah so it looks like uh you have done that that sounded like we we went long and the your running journey kind of started from being a non runner to all the way to the world <laughs> marathon majors finishers all six of them and uh, I don't know how many marathons you have done so after you have, have you, you have done all this is it? Is it it? I know that you. 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 you that's it now for you. You're not gonna do it anymore. You know. You said the first one is it. And then you kept on going. and Then you. Yeah. You travel on the well, world.
1: Well, I, I did the goofy challenge one year. Uh, the year that um, I want to say probably twelve in in twelve, and I dropped out after I, I did the half marathon the day before, and then the next day I was. Maybe into mile 10 or so of the race. And I dropped out you because know, I had a, um, a blister that ran across the whole bottom of my foot. Yeah. And I was out there with Randy Lyle. And uh, Randy couldn't believe I even started the race. <laughs> but I'm like, my problem was that if I had continued on, I probably wouldn't have made it to Boston that year. I had to stop. And get my get that blister healed because uh, I had to figure out what was my goal. My goal was not to finish the Goofy Challenge. My goal was to get to Boston, gotcha. and so and that was probably the smartest thing I did was drop out there. So I'd like to go back and pick that up one day. Uh, I'd like to do the LA Marathon. That's a that's a marathon that's really doing well, and I uh, got a lot of friends that do it. Yeah. Uh, and that, I recently
0: you know, yeah. I recently podcast interview uh, the announcers of the LA Marathon.
1: Oh yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so and then I've done forty five half marathons and uh, you know I'm I'm really more of a half marathon guy. The marathon really is not is not for me as much as the half is. It's a lot easier for me to conquer. You know, where where I've done the half is easier. You know, how many how many marathons have you done? I have done a
0: marathon, an ultra marathon since eighty fourth Boston. My next week, my Boston will be eighty fifth.
1: Grady Fifth,
0: yeah, and and I've done half is probably four, right? So you're flipping around, <laughs> yeah. I see a lot, a lot of your. Uh, you told me when I walked in your office, you said that's a lot of half. I mean, a half marathon. And it's a lot of them, and I see a lot of uh, Mercedes Marathon half metal, and Mercedes Half Marathon medal. I guess that's there that's might be five
1: the, of those, five or six of those hanging up there. Yeah, I have like a similar, I call like Mercedes
0: Marathon every almost every year. I I'm mostly I'm, I'm concentrating on the southeast. Then you know I go now. i kind of expanding uh david let's uh, let's uh, switch, uh topic a little bit uh, talk about uh running running journey uh tell us uh, about what is the hardest part of the part of the being doing what you do i know that you're a very successful businessman and top of that you you're taking the challenge of running uh, how does that work for you is it do, do they help you to be who you are you know you you you're trying to be a runner as well as a businessman successful as so does it help or 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 does it uh, hurt you in such a way anyway? Or or what did you you take on that?
1: Well, it's hard to balance the two at at times. And that uh, you get up early to run and then you deal with business all day long. Um, You know, you travel a lot. I mean, it's fun when you travel and you're running places that you never have run before. You know, I've run all over the world and and a lot of it's been because of business. Uh, You know, does running help my business? No. Does running hurt my business? No. But um, you figure out how to make the two go hand in hand. You know, there's been times when I've had missed runs because of meetings that went late and I wasn't going to make a six o'clock run that night with with the group. Or there were other times when I was traveling and I had to schedule my flight around a morning run. And so (laughs) I'm like, okay, well, I'll finish at this time and I'll be showered and I could get to the airport at this time. And okay, well, it looks like I'm on the nine o'clock flight or whatever, because I'm not going to make it to the airport at eight o'clock. You know, so, uh, you know, but it's the running part is what's really fun is that you meet a lot of friends. And then when you sit there and you start talking about marathons or start talking about running and then you find a common denominator. uh, And that happened to me. I was at a conference in Las Vegas uh, years ago and (laughs) a guy I heard him talking about running. And I said, oh, so you run? He goes, Yeah. And when I'm in Las Vegas, I run with Meb's cousin, um, a guy named Cabram. And we'll run this trip. We'll run real early. And is a taxi driver, so I got to work around his schedule. And so I said, well, I ran this morning too. And he's like looking at me because, of course, I'm not built like a runner. I'm just built like a middle linebacker in football. And so from there, he um, says, oh, well, have you ever run a marathon? I said, I have. And he goes, well, which marathons have you run? And I started telling him. I think at that time I was up to uh, maybe uh, Marine Corps, Chicago, New York, Boston, and maybe London at that time. And he couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. And then I told him that, yeah, uh, when I ran Boston, Meb Kofleski ran me in. And I said, "Do you know who Meb is?" And he goes, "Yes." And he really didn't believe me. And I pulled out my phone. I showed him pictures of Meb and I. And then all of a sudden, it, it, things kind of changed. And ah. I got some a little bit more respect <laughs> from that <you> know. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah uh, one other thing I was gonna ask you earlier I uh, didn't didn't get to ask um, looks like a um, Meb has been a big part of your running running journey trying to finish this majors as well um, can you briefly talk about uh, him and his uh, foundation uh, what how, and what impact has has he been doing in your running journey
1: well What's kind of interesting is when you've got the sub three hour marathoners that maybe at times get a little uppity and they don't give any respect to a guy like me that's a five forty five marathoner, and then here you've got a guy who's without a doubt uh, the greatest American marathoner ever, winning you know an Olympic silver medal. The New York Marathon and the Boston Marathon. No other Americans ever done that, and so here he's Meb has taken an interest in my running and encourages me. No matter what the time is, he finds uh, some something good in that. No matter what, and so he's very encouraging, uh, and that's very nice when you got somebody at that level. You know, it's like Michael Jordan in basketball or Tiger Woods in, in golf. You Definitely. Know? And so if, if, and I'm not a very good golfer, but you know, if, if I shoot say in the nineties and you got somebody like Tiger Woods says, Oh, that's great. And you play with, you know, where Meb takes the patience to run a mile with me, you know, every now and then, and you know, it's hard for me to do that. And it's hard for Meb, but we do it, you know, cause he's got a slow way down and I've got to go as fast as I can. Right. <laughs> that's you exactly. know, yeah. But, but, um, but it's nice that, you know, I've, directly and indirectly, helped Meb raise some pretty good money for his foundation. And he's done some amazing, great things for it. helping youth, helping uh, people, uh, uh, kids around the, the world, and also uh, some of the victims in the Boston bombing. Uh, gotcha. he, and, you know, so Meb is a very charitable individual, uh, always willing to give give back. And he, um, you know, and, and the thing about Meb was that he, de- he didn't have to go out that day in in Boston to go run me in I mean it's 88 degrees it was very hot and you know and but but the interesting part about that is um, you know and you know looking at in Meb's book Run to Overcome If I get to the uh, part on Boston, you know Meb goes back in there and talks about, how, you know, with him coming out to help me get me in, he turns it around. And he, you know, the, in 2014, when Meb's running Boston and he gets that one mile mark and he's got a uh, a guy right behind him. He has no idea who's coming behind him, but he, he sits there and in his book on page 242 in Run to Overcome. You know, and I'll read this at the 2012 Boston Marathon when I served as Grand Marshal. I had run the final mile with my friend David Kahn, who was trying to break six hours in the race. I had met up with him at the Citgo sign, and we had run-walked the rest of the way together. So I knew the turns and how the course was laid out from there. As I kept pushing forward, I felt that I I now had the advantage over my pursuers. And with everyone cheering for me, it seemed as if I was on my own home turf and that my place in marathon history was just ahead of me. You know, so here he is Definitely. giving me, who <laughs> ran a six forty two, that six forty two oh two that day, he giving me partial credit for for, for him, for him winning. from
0: winning the. That's a that's a great tribute to you and whatever you have done. That's, right. Yeah. And not only that, and it 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 brings a big volume to everybody, all the runners, slower, faster, or whatever. I mean, you know, especially back at the Packer. You know, think about that. You know, whatever you have done, so you know it. it helped him to understand the course and the running, and that's that's a great.
1: Yeah, I remember having to run it a four forty two pace that day to the last mile. He was running a thirteen minute pace. And so he, yeah, he was
0: like walking. Yeah, he knew the course, so that's that's interesting. So yeah, sounds like a, sounds like you you together kind of build that bond beyond running the friendship bond. So that's
1: a great story. Yeah, so. I mean, he spent many nights in in my house here. Uh, you know, when he's in Birmingham, my problem is I have to go find some some people to run with. And <laughs> thankfully there are people in Birmingham that are able to, uh, run at the speed that he, he, he runs and people that Meb trusts that I could trust to take him on a 10 mile, uh, run at a six minute pace around Birmingham. You know, there's not a whole lot of people like that out there, but I've got a few people in Birmingham I could always call on.
0: Definitely, yeah. We do have we do have those people. Yeah, I I don't run that fast, especially <laughs> not training run. <laughs> not training run. That'll be my fastest five k. But yeah, definitely, David. It has been really good, interesting talk with you, uh, David. It has been really interesting talk, and uh, thanks for. Hosting me into your house and, um, and bringing me in. Let me look at all the medals, especially test that medal that I will probably one day I'll have it. <laughs> uh, the, the, the majors medal. Um, definitely, I, I will have that goal soon. That will be my next goal, to pursue, because I, right now I'm trying to get to 100. But, uh, David, uh, before we conclude our interview, just give a word of advice to people out there to never never give up, regardless how fast you run or how slow you run. Just have that dream of running, running, you know, regardless what distance you run.
1: I started off running because a friend of mine passed away. And, you know, I got on a treadmill to lose weight. I never started to run to run. And it was kind of by, by mistake. And I never went out looking for the world major, world marathon majors. It just kind of happened that way. And so I think that what you got to do is kind of keep, always keep your eyes open to see what comes across what opportunities come across you and evaluate and don't ever say no so quick. always keep an open, positive mind and figure out a way to say yes. You know, and it's been an amazing adventure for me that, uh, you know, it's taken me all over the world and I've got to meet some really amazing people. And uh, not just Meb or Wilson Kipsing or Jeffrey Mutai, but also the world's oldest uh, runner that uh guy from India who's run he's a hundred years old yeah, that, he's that's still run, run, running you know, marathons. and i i I took a picture with him, you know, and that also you know uh I mentioned Julie Weiss you know has run over a hundred marathons uh she's the face of the l a marathon, you know one of the ambassadors there, but it's just one of those things that's just what a great connection and you know and the friendship that you and I have or just everybody in the running community, and that uh I I love it when people support you and you support other people and it doesn't matter whether you're a two Oh eight marathoner or a six Oh eight marathoner. It really doesn't matter. And, uh, and yeah, there's a few people out there that are a little uppity that are the three hour guys or whatever. And they may look down and think that, uh, they're, they're so much better than you, but you know what? I don't think they've had the greatest marathoner in the history of the United States, but out their house and go for a run with you.
0: Definitely. Yeah. It's, it's always great to have a good perspective in running because we, we, we as a runner, you know, we, we get to do a lot of things that, that not a lot of people get to do and, and, and take that distance. And one point that you, you made and that kept, kept, kept thinking about, you know, no matter in our running field, no matter how, um, uh, how fast or how slow you go, you still have to cover that twenty six point two or fifty mile or whatever distance racing you're doing, five k, you know, even that, everybody has to cover the distance. There's no shortcut, I mean, unless you're cheating, but most of the time, I mean, you gotta you gotta take that <laughs> take that distance that the given race course has it, and uh, and it doesn't matter. So so you know how fast or how slow you go. I mean, given day I could go really fast or given day I go I can go really slow. It doesn't matter. So that's right. that's a great great point, David. Um any, anything coming out for you um, that we should look look at look
1: out or nah I mean I've, I've got nothing on the books I got nothing that uh, I' had a stress fracture in my leg last year that uh, had to get behind me I've got a little ankle that uh, I'm trying to get through and I love watching my my oldest daughter took up running she's got five or six half marathons and she's a sub two-hour gal I think she's about a 152 153 154 and she's enjoying it living over in Atlanta and uh, I'm just really proud seeing what she's been doing and uh, running and you know she was somebody that she would never run in her whole entire life <laughs> and then I've got my son who who's a student at Alabama and he's running three or four miles a day himself so uh, all of a sudden I got my family running so right. uh, that's that's been kind of fun
0: great right. sounds like they they've taken after you and taken that running yep. thanks for your time and uh, we'll catch up uh, sometime later so Absolutely. Thanks for having me. If you have a need to cover your events, from marketing to taking photos, please contact MRuns.com by emailing at marathonruns at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to another episode of MRuns Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast channel, Voice of Runners, at iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and more. And also follow our social media channel, Marathon Runs, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube.